Welcome you back to our series called Living a Life That Matters. Uh, we kicked this off last week. We're looking at the story, uh, the storyline of Moses. And uh, last week we looked at Moses and how God was at work. Uh, even before Moses was born, God was already at work preparing him for the work that he was going to have him do. And the title of last week's message was because God chose you before you chose him. And if you didn't get a chance to hear that message, I really want to encourage you to go online and watch that or listen to that, because there are some things that we said in that that you really need to know. Look at me, hear my heart. You are not an accident. God knit you together in your mother's womb, amen? And the scriptures teach us that God considers you to be the most precious thing that he ever made. In fact, I love how David says it in Psalm 8, when he, when he talks about the fact that, you know, who are we that, that you'd even be mindful of us, man? When we look at the heavens and all this that you've made, I mean, who are we as people? He says, but you created us just a little lower than the angels. Help somebody out. Some, I know somebody's in here struggling with self-esteem today. Turn to the person who's sitting beside and just say, you're almost an angel. <laughs> yeah, so as I'm over here going, you pastor, you have no idea who I'm sitting by today. You, you, you might not want to do that today. But, but you are. You are incredibly precious and valuable to God. And, and we talked about that last week, that you are, you are priceless to him. The other thing that we said is that, you know what? You are loved. You are loved. And, um, and, and if I could just say one thing to you, if you miss everything else I said, that you need to know this. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how far away from God your life has led you. You need to know this. God will never stop loving you. He will never give up on you. God loved you before you ever even thought of him. In fact, Paul said it was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. And I promise you, the greatest gift you will ever give yourself in this life is opening your heart and your life to the love that God wants to give you through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you've never accepted him as your Savior and Lord, man, I just want to encourage you to take that step. And if we can help you with that, we would love to. But there's another piece in this. Not only are you precious and valuable, and not only are you loved, we also talked about the fact that you are a part of the plan that God has for this world. I mean, I don't know if you're, if you're like me, but there are days I get up and look in the mirror and I think, God, I can't believe that you love me because I'm not really sure I love me, you know? But he does. But here's what really blows me away. God says that he wants us to be a partner with him on the stuff he's doing here on earth. Let that rock your world for a second. Here's how Paul framed it. He said in Ephesians, we are God's masterpiece. We are created anew in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he planned for us long ago. In other words, you're not just precious. You're not just loved. God wants to work through you to accomplish plans and purposes in this world. And that's kind of the, the big idea behind this series. How do we really live a life that really matters? How do we really make a difference? God wants to use you at home, at school, at work, where, wherever you find yourself, God wants to move through you. But here's one of the problems with that. Sometimes we get in the way of what God wants to do. Amen? Come on, how many of you be honest enough to admit you've gotten in God's way before? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what I want to talk about today. Last week, we, we talked about uh, Moses' birth. 
We talked about the fact that it was during a time when they were killing all of the Hebrew boys. And so Moses' mother actually put him in a basket, put him in the Nile River, and he was found by the Pharaoh's daughter. And she took him in to grow up in the palace. And so here's this Hebrew baby growing up around all of these Egyptians. And if you can imagine, as Moses was growing up, that began to create probably a lot of confusion for him. Like, you know, why did my mother get rid of me? And, and, and why are all of these other kids so mean to me? Because you can imagine how kids are. They, you know, they were, they were probably calling him names and they were letting him know, you don't belong here. You're one of those people out there who, who are working. You can imagine he grew up with all of this kind of confusion. But somewhere inside of him, God was beginning to stir something. God was beginning to stir this love for his people and God was beginning to to nudge him about this idea that he had that maybe he could be a, a vessel to help his people out of all of this stuff that they were in. He he doesn't know what it's going to look like. He doesn't know but he, but you can imagine him beginning to get that stirring. That's where we pick up the storyline today. Chapter 2. It says many years later when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. And during his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating up one of his fellow Hebrews. And after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, what did Moses do? He killed the Egyptian and he hid the body in the sand. The next day when Moses went out again to visit his people, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? Moses said to the one who had started to fight. And the man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian yesterday? And Moses got afraid. And he said, oh man, everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard about what had happened and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. Now, Moses is being stirred. He, he, he's feeling compassion for his people. He, he's feeling this sense of injustice about how they're being treated. He, he feels like God wants to do something in him. And he gets this day and he sees what's happening with this Egyptian beating up another guy. And he attacks and he kills the Egyptian. Now, God may have wanted to do something in Moses, but probably it wasn't killing the Egyptians one Egyptian at a time. Can we agree with that? That was Moses getting in God's way of what he was up to. And but I remember when I read this story a few years ago, this thought hit me so hard about how we make a mess whenever we try to do God's work our way. Amen? Whenever we try to do God's work our way. Here, here's, the, here's the deal. God not only wants to work through you, but he wants you to do it the way he's planned to do it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Here we go. I want to talk about that today. What happens when we get in the way of God? What happens when we start trying to do God's work our own way? Well, a few things. Uh, one, we wear ourselves out. You know, we just wear ourselves out. I'm going to circle back to this in a few minutes and talk about this a little more. But one of the discoveries we make is that, that man, whenever we try to do the stuff God is calling us to do, 
um, and we try to do it out of our own strength, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just wear ourselves out because we can't do what God has called us to do. We have to depend upon God to do the heavy lifting. We'll come back to that in just a second. Secondly, when we start doing God's work our way, we can become filled with pride. Um, you know, we, we, can, we get a little success under our belt. Maybe, maybe we feel like, uh, you know, we, you know we, God's calling us to reach some of our friends and, you know, and we have some of our friends that we're able to reach and we go, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at this, you know, and it's real easy to kind of get caught up in ourselves and, and let pride sink in. And then what begins to happen then is we think, you know what, I'm, I'm really gifted. I can really do this. And as we begin to do that, we just begin to steal the glory from the God who created us to do this. Here's another one. Some of you can identify this. Whenever we start doing God's work our way, another thing that happens is that we make bad situations worse. <laughs> we make bad situations worse. Um, some of us have seen this happen when we become uh, maybe really um, compassionate toward people that we want to see come to Christ. And we see someone that they're not a Christian, maybe they're a close friend, or maybe they're a relative, maybe they're a son or a daughter or a grandson, a granddaughter, and, and, and we really want to see them come to the Lord. And so we think, first of all, we're going we're gonna to nag them into the kingdom of heaven, you know? And uh, maybe, if I, maybe if I can just guilt them, they'll, you know, they'll come. Or, 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 or we, try to, we try to put pressure on. And, and yet what we find is that the more pressure that we apply, the further that people go. Sometimes it's so funny because I'll watch people who feel like it's, you know, they're on this, this mission for God that they're going to argue with everyone about why you know, they, they shouldn't be, you know, why they should be a Christian. And they get in people's faces and they start going through And here's the deal. Have you ever known anyone who's come to Christ because they lost an argument? You know, that's not the way that it happens. You, you, you got a good idea. You, you, God wants us to, to reach out to people who are far from God, but probably not in some of the ways that we do it. Another thing that we do, and this is really interesting, especially with Moses, is that we interrupt God's timing. We interrupt God's timing. When we just take God's work into our own hands and we're not really trying to partner with him on what he's up to, sometimes we can either get ahead of God or sometimes we can get behind God because God does have a timing to things. Think, think this thought with me for a second. I just thought this was, it's just intriguing. We won't know until we get to heaven, but I think it's just an intriguing thought. What if God wanted to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt a lot sooner than he did? What if... God didn't want Moses to run away somewhere. What if God had worked it all out for, for Moses to grow up in the Egyptian palace because God was going to come to him at, a, at an appointed time to, to help him from that perspective to set the people free? What if years and years before Moses actually came back to accomplish that, what if God had a different timetable and Moses messed it up because he got ahead of God? When we do God's work our way, we mess with God's timing. Here's another one. When we do God's work our way, we settle for ordinary instead of extraordinary. One of the things I mentioned last week is the fact that God not only has plans for us, but God's plans for us are almost always bigger and better than we've ever imagined. Again, Let's, let's use our imaginations for a moment. Let's say Moses is feeling this desire to free his people. 
And let's say, for, for instance, that Moses was a, uh, you know, grew up, and let's say he, he became kind of a stud in the palace. And let's say he was, he was strong, and he became a warrior, and he began to realize, you know, I can, I can, I can take out some Egyptians. I can, I can begin to set my people free. And, and what if Moses became a, a ninja for God, you know? And he began to just kind of secretly go out at night and start killing Egyptians. And what if, what if he wiped out 150 or 250 or 500 Egyptians all by himself? What if he did that. He made a name for himself and had a place in history as the Hebrew who killed 500 Egyptians. But do you understand how far short of the plan that God has that was? God wanted to set a nation free. And you can't do that kind of work your way. Does that make sense to you? When we do God's work our way, sometimes we'll just settle for something ordinary when God really has in mind something extraordinary. So here's my, my deal for you today. I want you with me in the next few moments just to open your mind and heart and say, God, what, what would it look like for me to, to open myself to do the work you want to do the way you want to do it? Now, what does that entail? Can I give you just a few thoughts? Here we go. One of them that I realized for me is this one. Daily confess our dependence on God's power. Daily confess our dependence on God's power. Now, again, look at me. I, I love you, and, and some of you are very talented people, and you can do some things. But I'm going to look you in the eye and tell you, you cannot do the stuff God needs to be done out of your own strength. You need the power of God. There are things that God wants to do that happen on a realm that you can't even see. And it's only as we allow the Spirit of God to truly use us that we can get to that place where God is doing those work of those things that we can't see with our seeing eye. There's a great passage of Scripture that Paul gives us in Ephesians chapter 6. Here's what he says. Just let's take this in. Paul says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, I'm going to look at you and I tell you, I don't have any idea how all of that works. I don't have any keen insight into the spiritual realm and all the things that go on, but here's what I've discovered. I can't do the things that God is calling me to do without the power of God doing it. We just can't. Not that we can't do some things, but I guarantee you, we can't do all things except through Christ who gives us the strength. Proverbs 21, 31. Read this. This is a great verse. Read it out loud with me. Go ahead and prepare for the conflict but victory comes from, victory comes from who? That's just a great thing to keep in mind. To wake up tomorrow and say, God, I know you want to use me today. I know you want to use me at school. I know you want to use me at work. I know you want to use me right here in my family. But God, no matter what I do, here's what I know, Lord. Victory is only going to come from you. I depend on you. I saw a great picture of what it's like to work without God years ago. Um, when I attended Mid-America Christian down when it was in, in Houston, Gulf Coast Bible College, uh, Wanda and I were, were uh, resident directors uh, for a period of time. And I was walking around one night um, 
checking in on the, we called them cubes. There were four rooms and a central lounge. And I was just walking around, checking on things, making sure nobody was burning the place down, all that kind of stuff, and talking with the guys. And I walked into a cube, and uh, I see Mike Sanders. How many of you know Mike Sanders? Yeah, Mike's uh, head of the ministry department at, uh, at, at Mid-America. His brother, Cliff, was actually my roommate in college for a year and a half. And uh, I walk in, and, and Mike Sanders has these humongous headphones on. Now, this is back, way back before Bluetooth. And he has like a 25-foot cord plugged into a stereo. Now, there's a group of guys, four guys playing cards at a table, and Mike is vacuuming. And he's listening to music, and he's vacuuming. And the vacuum cleaners had, this, had a long rod of a vacuum cleaner, and then off the rod there was a hose, and then there was this little round canister that kind of moved on the floor as you, as you went it, and that plugged in, into the wall. And Mike is there vacuuming. Now, I found out later what had happened is the guys were playing cards, and Mike came out to start vacuuming. He cranks the stereo way up so he can hear it over the vacuum cleaner, and he's like vacuuming, singing away, you know, you know, and he's just, you know, he's just, he's vacuuming away. And the guy started yelling at him and said, Mike, we can't hear ourselves think. Man, put the headphones on and please stop singing. Please stop singing. So Mike plugs those 25-foot headphones on and he's vacuuming away. And the guys, being the guys they were, they reach over and they unplug the canister from the wall. So Mike's hearing this music blare in his ears, and he's moving that vacuum all the way around, but there's nothing sucking up any dirt. Now that's when I walk in, and I see Mike with these guys laughing at the table, and Mike's grinding away on the floor with that vacuum, and he starts looking over his shoulder at the guys going, I think there's something wrong with this thing. It's not picking up very well, and he's pushing it harder like it's a broom, you know, that he's just gonna do it. And we just died laughing. And finally, he took the headphones off and he realized he had been had. You know, it wasn't plugged in. Now, that's a great picture of how we are without the power of God. Honey, you can work as hard as you want to, but if you're not plugged in to the power of God, all you're going to do is move the dirt around. You're not going to do the work that God has called you to do. Amen. Every day, every single day, we need to confess our dependence on God's power. Here's another piece. We need to remind ourselves that God takes a broader and longer view of things than we do. God takes a, a, a broader and longer view of things than we do. Um. I've shared this analogy before. I just think it's so good, though. Um, how many of you have ever been in a plane and, and flown before? How many of you have ever been up? How many of you have ever flown over a river before? Right? Yeah. Okay. Then you'll get this. You ever notice how when you're down on the river, actually in a boat, and you're, and you're cruising along in the water, and the, and the, and the water bends, you, you don't know where it's going. And let's say that there's a little bit of a rapids, and you're focused on the rapids, and all you can see is this rapids, and, and, and you don't know, and you're maybe thinking to yourself, you know, what's ahead? Is there, is there a waterfall, or is there, <clears throat> and, and you get really caught up because that's all you can see, and that's all you're focused on. But if you're up at 30,000 feet, and you look down, you can see that that river turns, and the rapids give way to calmer water, and it leads to a beautiful lake. You can see all that from 30,000 feet. Look at me, and that's where God is perched. God looks at life from 30,000 feet. 
We get really focused on the moment, and when things aren't going, when the rapids hit and we start getting bumpy, all of a sudden we start getting focused because we're caught up in the moment. And sometimes when things aren't going maybe the way we think they ought to go or, or, or we think it's got to happen this way and this happens, every once in a while we get to say, wait a minute, God takes a longer and broader view than we do. Does that make sense to you? And we, can we be honest? And we get in a hurry. How many of you have discovered God's not nearly in as big a hurry as you are? Have you discovered that yet? You'll save yourself a lot if you get that. Because we get, we get really rushed. Some of, you, some of you may have read this. I just thought this was an incredible story. We get, we get so, so, so you know, intense that we're going to get things done in a hurry. There was a, a family from Missouri who were building a $700,000 home in Florida. And they had told the builders they really wanted to get this thing done. They really wanted to get it. So they, everybody was moving fast on this project. And uh, the, the surveyors, the city surveyors, the, the, the contractors, everybody, the family made three or four visits down from Missouri to Florida to try to you know, over, oversee the work in this house. And, and believe it or not, which is unbelievable for contract, they actually got the house done ahead of time, which was unbelievable. Only problem was they built it on the wrong lot. Now, that would ruin your day. I have a $700,000 home that is not on my property. And all of a sudden, now it's got to go to lawyers and courts to try to figure out how they're going to. Why? All because they were in a hurry. If they would have slowed down, if they would have paid attention, if they would have waited, they would have caught the mistake. God, look at me, he's not in a hurry. He wants to make sure that his will gets done right, not just fast. Amen? Look at the passage of Scripture on your outline. Isaiah says, read it with me. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Far beyond anything you can imagine. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking you're pretty smart. You've got great imagination. You're going, well, I don't know. I could probably imagine it. No, I doubt that you could. Yeah. Want a great example of that? When Jesus was traveling with his disciples, and as he was getting ready to be prepared for this last chapter in his life here on earth, if you remember the story, Matthew 18, Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for what's ahead in Jerusalem. And so Jesus... Uh, tells his disciples, okay, here's what's going to happen, guys. We're, we're going we're to go to Jerusalem. Uh, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be put to death. But it's okay, because three days later, I'm going to raise from the dead. And you would think they would get that. Well, it didn't. Look at, look at, what, look at what happened. Look at, look at Peter's response to Jesus in, in that moment from Matthew 16. I said 18, it's 16. Look at what he says. It says, but Peter took him aside, and he began to do what? reprimand him. Can you picture yourself reprimanding Jesus? I don't 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 think I'd want to do that. He began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, Peter said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned around to Peter and he said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap for me. Read it with me out loud. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not God's. And that is one of the biggest problems we have. We do God's work our way because we see things from a human point of view rather than trying to capture the perspective of God. 
I love what Psalm 27, 14 says. Read it with me, church. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Can I give you one more? Now, this one's going to hurt a little bit, but it's truth. Spend more time focusing on God working in us than through us. We, we need to spend more time focusing on God working in us than through us. You know, it's, it's, it's real easy sometimes when God gives us glimpses of things he wants to use us for. It, it, it's real uh, easy for us to just begin to go right at it. And yet we, we forget that if we're not careful, we will get in the way of what God wants to do. Let's rewind the tape for a second. Let's go back to Moses. Moses grew up as a Hebrew in an Egyptian household. I have no doubt that kids called him names. I have no doubt that he was very aware that he was different from others. Just think this thought with me. Moses is growing up with all of this pain that he is carrying with him. And that pain led to anger. And so that when Moses was in this situation, as he was watching the Egyptian beat up the Hebrew, his anger finally broke and he killed a man. That issue of anger that Moses had, that dysfunction that he was carrying with him, that was getting in the way of what God wanted to do. And if you follow the storyline, this came up a few other times along the journey. Now, here, here's the deal. Here's what I want to say to you. Yes, God has his hand on you. Yes, God wants to use you. Yes, God wants to move through you in lots and lots of ways. But as you open your heart in life to what God wants to do through you, you have to also open yourself to what God wants to do in you so you you don't thwart the work of God. Many of us prevent God from coming through because we get in the way with our own stuff. One of my uh, favorite commentaries is the uh, Peanuts cartoon. I, I just think there's such great theology you can find there. There, there's, some of you will get that about 2 o'clock this afternoon. That'll, that'll sneak up on you. There, there's a great cartoon where Lucy comes in to talk to Charlie Brown. And she says, Charlie Brown, I think I have the gift of evangelism. And Charlie Brown looks at her and he says, really? Why do you think that? And she said, well, I actually talked a kid out of his religion at lunch today and talked him into being a part of my religion. And Charlie said, that's amazing, Lucy. How did you do that? She said, I hit him in the head with a lunchbox. <laughs> that's self getting in the way. There are... Um, There are two prevailing feelings that I have so much as a pastor. One is this feeling of helplessness. You have no idea how many weeks I stand up and I, I look at you as an audience. And I know what a lot of you are going through. I, I know you're hurt 
I know your struggles. I, I know the challenges that you have. And here's why I feel so helpless. I, I can't do anything about it. I can't fix your marriages. I, I can't break the chains of your addictions. I, I, I can't solve your financial problems. I can't heal the, the damage of the things that have happened to you. And there's so, so often I, I, I stand up as a pastor and I am so aware that there's nothing I can do. But that's also very freeing because I know God can. Here's the deal. You don't need me today. You need him. You need him. You don't need Steve's funny stories. You don't need Steve's little quirky quotes. You, you, don't, you don't need Steve's organized outline. You, you don't need, what you need is the power and the presence of God. What you need is to hear the voice of Jesus as he says to you, come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest. I love you, but I can't help you. But God can. And that's the place I have to stay. You know, as I worked on this message this week, I, I, I sat back and I, I thought about 42 years in ministry and, and how many times I got in the way of what God wanted to do. How many times my dysfunction, how many times my pride, how many times my issues circumvented what God was up to? I wish it wasn't so, but it is. And, and so my prayer, more than saying, God, help me be a powerful preacher, is God, would you help Steve get out of the way so that you can come through? Paul says in Ephesians 2, for it is God working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That's why I put this, outline, this statement on your outline. God, God always wants to change the person before he tries to change the world around the person. Pastor Steve, how, how can I allow God to use me? The best thing you can do is God work in me. And as you deal with this stuff, then, Lord, you can do through me. I, I love the, this quote I saw by Kerry uh, Ten Boom last week. It says, trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious work of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. That's why every single day of my life as I walk and pray, I ask God this thing, Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Because I, I can tell you this, what your family needs is not more of you, they need more of him. What your workplace needs is not more of you, it's more of him. What your schools need is not you, it's God showing through you. What these broken people in our world, in our community, all around, what they need, ladies and gentlemen, is not more of our talent and our ability. They need the power and the presence of God. And we have this divine privilege of inviting God to fill us to overflowing so he does come through. 
as I was writing this message this week and, and as I was praying, I was in here one day and just walking around the sanctuary making laps. And, and as I was praying that prayer and as I was kind of articulating some of the things that I'm talking about today, this, this little song came back to me. I said, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. A place where you abide so that everywhere I go, it's you that people see and not me. Is that your prayer today? Rachel's going to lead us in this song, and then I'm, I'm going to pray for us. And I, I want this song to be, to be your prayer, your moment with God, where you invite the Holy Spirit of God to fill you to overflowing, where you cry out and say, Lord, my, my family needs more of you, not me. My school needs more of you, not me. Did you open your heart and life and say, Lord, would you do something in me so that you can do something through me? Make that your prayer today as we sing. Father, that's our prayer today. We are so aware that what the people all around us need and what the job that you've laid before us is going to call for is not more of us. It's more of you. Lord, whenever we try to do your work our way, we mess it up. We foul up the things that you're trying to do and make you have to work harder to fix it. So, Lord, stop us. Slow us down. Help us to sit before you and really allow you to do the work that is in us. God, I have no doubt that there are some of us, if we were to be honest, would if take honest examination of ourselves, we would see that it's been our issues that have gotten in the way before. It's been the things that we carried with us, just like Moses did, that have prevented you from doing the work you wanted to do the way you wanted to do it. So, Father, we open our hearts to you today. Would you heal us? Would you break us? Would you change us? Would you mold us? And would you fill us to overflowing with the power of your Holy Spirit? Lord, my prayer today is that everywhere we go this week, people encounter you. It's in your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen.